what we tend to see with virtual teams is that we're so focused on committing tasks like work, getting things done. We spend so much less time engaging with each other as human beings. Well, have you ever had somebody really act in your best interest? Like really have your back? And they'll go, oh God, yeah. And they'll tell you a story and now they're starting to give you some hints. Here's what benevolence looks like to them. Here's what success seems like. Here's what matters to them. And now you start to narrow the funnel even further. And you say, what would it look like if I was benevolent to you? What does success look like to you? How do I help you get there? Think about an ice cream store, right? They let you sample a little bit. You decide, hey, I'm going to try rum and raisin. And you get a little spoonful of it and you realize, hey, I don't like rum or raisin. Thank God I didn't buy a whole bowl of that stuff. And so... They let you have a small level of vulnerability first. We see that with good return policies as well, where the vulnerability doesn't feel quite as high or, or promises of confidentiality where, you know, I'm not going to kiss and tell. So there's ways we can reduce vulnerability for the other party so that they can kind of wade in instead of diving in. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures. Share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon. On the West Coast, and unfortunately, our glamorous, amazing, bright, wise co-host on the East Coast cannot be with us today, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. In the studio, we have our guest, Daryl Stickle. Now, with climate change, that's that's Daryl, with climate change, race relations, pandemics, political divides, trust. Yes, trust is at the lowest levels we've ever seen, while 49% of employees feel they can trust their boss, only one in three managers, one in three, said they believe their workers. Well, today on the podcast, we have Daryl Stickle, one of the world's leading experts on trust and author of Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World. Daryl, great to have you on the program. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. Yeah, Daryl is uh, visiting us from Canada. So uh, another Canadian. Uh, we love Canadians because I'm a Canadian. So uh, it's great to have you on the program. And tell us where you are exactly. I'm in Victoria, British Columbia. Victoria, British Columbia. Great. Okay, so what I'd like to know is, um, we'd love to start this question. Can you tell us what has surprised you the most over the last three years as so many employees have been in situations where they never or hardly ever are in the presence of their boss or coworkers? What's surprised you the most? Hmm. Uh, The decline in benevolence. That is the it's, first uh, time you know, we've gotten that one. The, the decline in benevolence. Tell us more. Well, so th- I think there are 10 levers we can use to build trust. One of them is benevolence. It's this belief we've got your best interest at heart. And what we tend to see with virtual teams is that we're so focused on committing task type work, getting things done. We spend so much less time engaging with each other as human beings and you've seen and so your your experience has uh, you've seen people over the last three years engaging less and less and less i've seen that i also find it remarkable how easy it is for people wanting now you know there just seems to be no for them to lie like there seems to be no consequence people feel comfortable just making things up 
So tell them. <laughs> I, I, this is, you, you start with benevolence and then you go to uh, people lying. Yeah, decline in benevolence, increase in fabrication. Wow. What, what happened such that you think we have lost our benevolence? You know, I think we're just not spending as much time with one another. So there's a lot less physical contact. We get a lot fewer social cues, opportunities to engage. You know, I've I've started something called the weekly act of benevolence, where I try to actively focus on doing something positive for somebody. And so I, I've been posting that on LinkedIn as to act as a role model. You know, to just show people here's how you do it some ways you can think about it but i think that trust is a combination of uncertainty and vulnerability and so we see the vulnerability levels haven't really declined but uncertainty's been all over the place so we see pandemics we see you know values and norms changing technology shifting we're really struggling and part of that's because we're just not as connected as human beings so you're okay. So you said um, trust is a combination of uncertainty and vulnerability, and so you're saying vulnerability yeah. hasn't changed. It hasn't gotten stronger well, or less strong. I think that you know, a generous way to say it is that it's it's stable. Probably it's gotten worse, and the struggle that we have. So, so trust is a willingness to make yourself vulnerable, and the struggle we have now is making ourselves vulnerable at all. When we've got really high levels of uncertainty. So think of it as uncertainty times vulnerability gives us a level of perceived risk. And we each have a threshold of risk that we can tolerate. And so early in relationships, we've got high levels of uncertainty. It means we can only tolerate small ranges of vulnerability. As that relationship gets deeper, the, the uncertainty starts to go down, which means the range of vulnerability we can tolerate starts to grow. And in deep relationships, we've got really small levels of uncertainty, broad ranges of vulnerability we can tolerate. But we're seeing this massive spike in uncertainty. And, you know, people are saying, hey, like Bernie talks about being more vulnerable, all those kinds of things. But it's hard for us to trust anyone, make ourselves vulnerable to anyone when uncertainty is so bloody high. So I guess in, um, it's interesting in, in my work, uh, just my little world is as the uncertainty became so huge, I just went in and just got people to be so vulnerable over, over zoom and over teams. And I've seen those companies just, uh, just grow like crazy. You know, it's almost like if you look at, if you look at a, uh, a coefficient, I don't even know if that's the right, right word, but the, the relationship between spikes in vulnerability and spikes in growth, I've seen those to be really high. Well, so if you think about it, trust has incredible value. All research tells us that it leads to higher returns to shareholders, more engagement, easier ability to adapt, innovate. So it's got this incredible value. Now it's incredibly scarce. It's even more valuable. So companies like the ones you're talking about that actually manage to build trusting environments where people feel comfortable being vulnerable 
could have a profound competitive advantage. So, um, why are we? Why don't we see that more? I mean, you're you're just stated it. You just stated like almost like it's a big duh, but it's also you know um, results don't lie. Uh, the the um, studies don't lie. Results don't. So you build a trusting environment, you will have a profound impact on your profitability and your growth. What then? Where are there so many smart smart people out there who are saying, "Well, I don't. I ain't got time to build trusting environments because I have to get to work." Okay, so this is a great question, and I was actually at a conference, a virtual conference held by Duke. It was called Rebuild Trust in Institutions, and they were talking about government, media, artificial intelligence, and they spent several hours talking about just how bad things were. They were saying, you know, we're seeing end of democracy kind of numbers. We're seeing such a decline in trust levels. It's leading to all these symptoms. And somebody finally said to them, well, okay, isn't the title of the conference Rebuilding Trust? So what do we do? And they looked in the camera and said, we don't know. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there going, ooh, ooh, pick me. Because this is what I've been doing for the last 20 years. So part of the challenge is a lot of people are talking about trust, but they're not talking about how to build it. Right. So that's what, okay, we've, we've been eight minutes in now. You are the trust guy. You're the guy that wrote the book, Building I Trust. Am. So what do we do now? What, what is it for a manager, owner, business team person to do to build trust? So first we need to understand where does uncertainty come from and take steps to reduce it. And so uncertainty comes from us as individuals and it comes from the context that we're embedded in. And so there are three levers we can pull within individual traits. And those are benevolence, integrity, and ability. And so benevolence is a belief you've got my best interest at heart and that you'll act in my best interest. Integrity is do I follow through on my promises and do my actions line up with the values that I expressed? Abilities, do I have the competence to do what I'm actually going to do? And so those who aren't very good at building trust have a lever that they pull. Usually it's the ability lever. I have these kinds of credentials, this sort of background, this much experience, blah, blah, blah. Those who are better have multiple levers. Those who are really good have multiple levers and they know when to pull which one. And so what I do is I systematically walk people through 10 levers and I show them how to pull them. And so I walk through with my court classes and I'll say, this is what benevolence is. Here's how you show it. And, you know, for example, I'm working with a group of parents and I say to them, who here has their kid's best interest at heart? All the hands go up. Like, it's a stirring sight. And then I say to them, how many of your kids would say that? And it's about a third. And it's it's somewhat hesitant, right? It's like, eh. So if it's not obvious in a place where it's supposed to be obvious, how does a leader show it and have it land? And so... What I'll do is I'll give them a template. I'll say, okay, so I heard this guy, Daryl. 
he was talking about benevolence, said it's really important to trust. And it's it means having someone's best interest at heart. And I, th I think I do that, but it doesn't always seem to land that way. Have you ever experienced that? And 99% of people say yes. And they'll give you an example. And then you start to narrow the funnel a little bit and go a little deeper where you start saying, well, have you ever had somebody really act in your best interest? Like really have your back? And they'll go, oh God, yeah. And they'll tell you a story. And now they're starting to give you some hints. Here's what benevolence looks like to them. Here's what success seems like. Here's what matters to them. And now you start to narrow the funnel even further. And you say, what would it look like if I was benevolent to you? What does success look like to you? How do I help you get there? What matters most to you? How do I help you achieve that? And so now we've created this transparency. And in the future, we're going to be able to say, hey, when I'm doing this, you already told me this is what matters to you. This is me trying to help you get there. And so we, we reduce the amount of miscommunication. Some of the struggles I run into when trying to help people build trust is, is this profound lack of self-awareness. You know, who do I trust? How much do I trust them? 95% of people believe they're more trustworthy than average. And, and that's not just statistically impossible. It's, it's damaging, right? Because if you and I have a trust problem, it must be your fault because I'm trustworthy. I don't need to fix anything. And so slowly I try to raise awareness. You know, probably the worst way to find out if somebody trusts me, trusts you is, is by saying, do you trust me? Because the appropriate answer to that is with what? And, you know, they lack awareness. There's a social stigma to saying it. And so when I ask people, who do you trust? I get these close, tight, personal relationships. And, and when I flip that question and say, who trusts you? I get these long pauses. And then eventually someone will say, well, how would I know? Well, trust is the willingness to make yourself vulnerable. When you can't completely predict how somebody else is going to behave. And so you ask yourself, how can this person make themselves vulnerable to me? And do they? And so what I do is I systematically walk through I talk through what benevolence is, how it works, how to demonstrate it. I talk through integrity, you know, following through on our commitments, making sure we have the same understanding of what was promised. And then directly telling the story about how my actions line up with the values that I've expressed. Co-creating a, a story together that shows how there's a link between the actions we're taking as an organization and the values that we have. And then when it comes to ability, which is our favorite lever, I will, I will provoke conversations because I can't just determine what excellence is. You know, if, if I really want to know what a good podcast guest was, I would ask you, right? And then we together would ask your audience. And so we'd actually check in with the stakeholders to say, what is excellence? And when I teach my classes, I'll do that. I'll, I'll say, what would a good class look like? What do I need? What marks do I need to hit at the end of this? So that you walk away saying that was really good. I like that. I would like to not leave benevolence. Okay. What are some, because I love that word. 
Benevolence and and serendipity. I love those. So benevolence. What do you instruct some of your, um, your clients or friends or teachers, students to, to do? Of course, of course, um, the, the greatest is, you know, let me find out what matters to you. And then of course, and then of course, take some actions to support what matters to you. What are some other um, acts of benevolence that great companies are are taking right now to demonstrate benevolence and, and demonstrate trust? Well, we're seeing here companies starting to try to dig themselves out of the hole. You know, I was recently traveling and and they were starting to talk about, hey, we're all neighbors here. We need to get along. We need to spend the next few hours as neighbors and, and friends. So I think we're starting to see some of these companies start to realize that that maybe have mistreated some of their clients along the way. I actually had a great experience with one of my students when we were talking about benevolent. I said, okay, tell me a relationship that matters to you. He said, my girlfriend. I said, okay, so what's the most important thing to your girlfriend? And he said, I think it's her family. So I said, tonight when you go home, you're going to say to your girlfriend, I was in class today. We're talking about benevolence. My teacher asked me, what's a relationship that matters to you? And I thought of you. So that's step one. I'm now showing this person that I'm thinking about them. And then I said, you're going to tell her, he asked me what mattered most to you. And I said, your family, is that right? Now you're inviting her into the conversation. And she can either confirm or you guys can talk about what does really matter to her. When she says it's her family and she agrees with you, you're going to say, then it probably matters a lot to you that I get along well with your family. And so I'm going to actually start spending more time with them and start strengthening my relationship with your family, going for meals with them, having conversations with them, because it matters to you. And he came back the next day. He had a huge grin on his face. He says, I'm apparently allowed to talk to you whenever I want. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us, and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. You know, you know, um, ask you, I don't know if it's a personal question, Daryl, but or at least an observation. Sure. Do we see do we see a movement today towards people being open to doing something that matters to anybody but themselves? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, that's the that's you know, the challenge, right? You know, are are you open you know, benevolence requires that you really think about someone outside yourself, but it's more than that. You think about someone outside yourself and then you take some actions for the purposes right. of them that have nothing to do with you. Right. And I don't know if we're, yeah. if you're uh, seeing that or not these days. Okay. So people will reciprocate, right? They'll respond in the way that you engage with them. And, and I, that's why I'm doing, uh, trying to do one a week that I share with the world. I mean, I do more than that, but you know, this week I was torn because I was working with a group, a nonprofit that had, well, well they work with kids five and under who are having developmental challenges. And I showed up a day early, spent time with them, 
to learn more about what they do to, to improve the, the quality of the product that I gave them. And I did that for free. And so, so that's one of my acts of benevolence this week. But the other one was, well, I realized when I'm traveling, everyone wants to say hi to Drake. And so I let people say hi to him often, right? And, and I'll say, I'm not working right now. And he loves it and they love it. It slows me down a bit, but it just creates such a positive vibe. He's a black lamb. And he's a love machine. And so one of the stories I like to tell around benevolence, I'm working with this senior group of executives and I'm getting them to tell these stories about when they've acted in a benevolent way. And they, they're telling these stories about when they've had a positive impact on somebody and when they've gone out of their way to be helpful. And the, the vibe in the room is just so positive. Everyone's buzzing and they're smiling. And I said, I guess my only question is why you're so effing selfish. And they all just kind of looked at me and I said, you've just told me how powerful it is to be able to help someone else. And you never let anyone experience that with you. You never make yourself vulnerable. You never let anyone else help you. And it was a aha moment for that team when they started to realize, hey, we need to start relying on each other a little more. We need to start becoming a little more independent, interdependent. We need to let each other help. I feel like I'm at church right now, Daryl. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, don't apologize. Church, synagogue, you know, all those great places. What I what I'm getting is, um, gosh, you know, if you want to, first of all, if you follow the, if you follow the follow the bouncing ball here, right? You know, to build trust is a good thing because it actually, well, first of all, it's just a good thing. But um, organizations that have trust are much more high performing than organizations that don't. One of the keys to trust is benevolence. You want to have a lot of trust in your workplace. Tell your people at work to go out in the world and do benev take benevolent actions. There you go. I like it. It's yeah. Not only are you gonna have great companies, you're gonna you're gonna make a greater world. And you know the response is so positive. You know people because it's become scarcer. When I do these kinds of things, people are just so appreciative. It's sad what you here. It's really sad what you're saying, which is benevolence is a scarce act it feels that way yeah yeah and so that's one of the powerful levers we can pull i mean for the integrity piece it's it's really about making yourself more predictable you know make sure you follow through on commitments committing to things not outcomes but rather your actions the things you have control over and then when it comes to context Really, it's about explaining our context and how we're constrained. So that's the way we reduce uncertainty. You know, is, is we make people more aware of what we can and can't do and, and what our restrictions are. And so there's all these ways we can systematically and intentionally reduce uncertainty. Next, we go to vulnerability. Yeah, let's go to vulnerability. So dirty word. People are uncomfortable even talking about it. And according to Brene Brown, she was working with the military and they said, we don't use that word. We don't talk about vulnerability. And she said, what about courage? Do you ever talk about courage? Oh yeah, all the time. How do you have courage without vulnerability? Well, that's one of my favorite lines from Brene. There is no, yeah. there is no courage without vulnerability. 
Yeah, it's true. And so vulnerability is one of these things that is soft and squishy. You and I could have exactly the same thing at stake and have a different perception of how vulnerable we are. So what we really need to do is involve the other person in the conversation, get a sense of what they think is at stake, they value it. And we, we have these bizarre sort of linked outcomes where we're massively inflating the vulnerability we're actually experiencing. And so there's a couple levers there as well that we can pull. And sometimes we can let people have a small level of vulnerability to start. So we start to institute, you know, an exchange that isn't quite as devastating for them if it goes, if it goes wrong. Think, think about an ice cream store, right? They let you sample a little bit. You decide, hey, I'm going to try rum and raisin. And you get a little spoonful of it and you realize, hey, I don't like rum or raisin. Thank God I didn't buy a whole bowl of that stuff. And so they let you have a small level of vulnerability first. We see that with good return policies as well, where the vulnerability doesn't feel quite as high or, or promises of confidentiality where, you know, I'm not going to kiss and tell. So there's ways we can reduce vulnerability for the other party so that they can kind of wade in instead of diving in. And a lot of times with my clients, I'll do that. You know, the it's the crack dealer model. The first hit's free. And all perspectives, great. Too many were. So we can take steps both in uncertainty and vulnerability. We can also take steps in perceived outcomes. Because we interpret the world through stories. You and I could have exactly the same experience and have a very different perspective of what just happened. And so it's important for us to co-create the narrative and maybe if we can determine what success looks like before we get there. And so that perceived outcomes then feeds back into our next interaction with each other. And in the middle of all this is our emotions. So in, in the air of vulnerability, what you're saying is to really raise, the best way to raise vulnerability is actually to have conversations around vulnerable, about how, how vulnerable we want to be with each other. Right. Yeah, exactly, right? So part of the challenge is if I ask you what, what success looks like for you and what your best interests are, you may think, oh, if I tell you that, you'll have leverage over me. And so I need to start saying, here's what I think your best interests are. I'm going to try to act that way. Start showing a track record to see actually he's sincere. Now I can start opening up and telling him what, what really matters. So we're getting towards the end of uh, our half hour here. Can you tell us what we might get from picking up a copy of Building Trust, Exceptional Leadership in an Uncertain World? Let's see. I was having just profound impact, but it felt like I was dropping grenades to stand in the ocean. I wrote the book so that what I do isn't lost if I am. And so I've put the whole model in there. I've talked about how to pull all 10 levers. I've tried to make it as accessible as possible. And I can tell you two things. One is I was just nominated as one of the world thought leaders on trust. The second is that uh, an academic reached out to me from the Netherlands, said he's read everything there is to read on trust. He thinks about this all the time. That's what he does for a living. And his, this book blew him away. Okay. Well, great. Great, great. Then definitely um, we should all get a copy of that book. So, Daryl, how can we find out more about you and your book and Drake? 
go to trustedlimited.com and you'll see a picture of Drake on there. He's in the the about section. He's the director of goodness, the DOG. The director of goodness, the D.O.G. I like that. Great. Yeah, he's he's on the verge of getting the global ombudsman of opportunity development, which would make him the good dog, but but the jury's still out. Okay. Wow. Jeez. So go to Trust Unlimited. There's there's a blog section, there's articles, there's podcasts. You could find the book anywhere that books are sold online. It's on, available on Audible. You can look me up on uh, LinkedIn or reach out by email. Daryl at trustunlimited.com. Daryl trustunlimited.com. And that's D A R R Y L. Uh, that's right. Daryl, this has been profound. This has been really profound. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me for half an hour. And thank you, Daryl. Thanks for writing this book. Definitely going to pick up a copy. Thank you to our audience, to our listeners. Please share this this episode, this important episode, with your friends, your family, with your colleagues, and with your dogs. With your dogs, yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely share with your dogs. Anyway, thanks so much. We'll see you on the next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow, and by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available. 